The number to call always 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell. And Savan's number on his hip all the time. Uh, write this one down. You might need it. 416-216-5910. And it's Savan, S-I-V-A-N, at theinsurancelawyer.ca. Uh, welcome back, my friend. How are you? I'm very good, John. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for you know sending me multiple pictures last night of your of your of your <laughs> dining experience. I appreciate that. Well, well I was, listen, you know, I uh, you know, invited dinner. you countless and, uh, times uh, over. <laughs> You know, it's not just about personal injury. It's about recipes, too, and right? You're, you're a chef and, a, and an amazing personal injury law. I don't know if I would go as far as saying I'm a chef, but, yeah, I've been known to cook. Let's get into the, uh, the right. week that was. we got a bunch of, uh, of cool cases that uh, I want to talk about. And this, we, we do this because I think it's, it's important for, for people who are, are thinking about uh, retaining your services. You know, is this the type of thing I should be into? Should I be consulting a lawyer? So right. a good way for them to determine whether they should or should not is hearing some of these cases that you have uh, underway now, right? Absolutely. And especially with the show now, I'm getting a lot of phone calls and a lot of emails from people you know, who, who are listening and are hearing scenarios that they find themselves right. in. And right. so these stories are really interesting. And I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, go through a few of them here right. and, and, you know, really point out what people should be taking away. Uh, and sometimes, you know, it's not you, it's somebody, you know, it's a family member, it's a friend, you know, so let's just delve into it. Uh, the, the first, the first uh, call that I got last Monday uh, was from a gentleman, his name is Winford. And he called me and he says, listen, I, I had an accident four years ago uh, and, and I was injured in that accident. I still have these issues today, uh, four years later, and I've been represented by a paralegal, a licensed paralegal. And I said, okay. And he says, well, you know, the insurance company is offering me peanuts. And I said, well, which insurance company, your insurance company or the guy who was at fault? Because apparently it wasn't his fault. Okay. And he says, well, no, it's my insurance company. I said, okay, well, I, I advised him on that front. And then I said, well, what about the other insurance company for the person who hit you? Right. And he says, well, I don't know anything about that. I said, can I do something about that? And I said, well, hasn't, you, you know, hasn't the paralegal told you that you have rights and th- those rights expire within two years of the accident? He says, no, he hasn't told me that. Well, I, I ended up learning the name of that paralegal, and it seems that that individual is actually a former lawyer. It's a lawyer that's been disbarred. Excellent. Right, Ugh. yeah. So just imagine, uh, you know, the, the, the grief that this person is now, is now feeling that he cannot uh, go and recover uh, compensation, which he would have been legally entitled to. Because he's way past the deadline. He's way past wow. the deadline. And the thing is that these two years, and I keep telling people, you have two years to make a claim, two years from date of the accident. Uh, you know, these are, these are, this deadline is set in stone. It's under the Limitations Act. You have to be aware of it. There are exceptions. Those exceptions are rare. And you don't want to be fighting that battle with the insurance company, you know, starting a claim two years later. So the takeaway thing here is if you have representation, uh, just make sure that, you know, your rights are protected. Make sure you do your homework. Make sure that the person you're going to uh, is in good standing with the law society. Make sure you know about that person. Read about that person. Okay, and it's not just about lawyers. I mean, you know, this, this mm-hmm. has to do with real estate agents, doctors, etc. We have to make sure that if we are getting someone to represent us, that that person knows what they're doing. This is what they focus on. This is what they do day in and day out. Because he's had a lot of compensation now we could have had. A lot of compensation. And based on the information that I received from him, I I would probably say that the claim is probably worth or would have been worth uh, close to uh, $100,000. That's a serious Yeah, it's it's crazy. And, you know, I mean, does he have recourse against that paralegal? Possibly, yeah. But again, now now you're fighting that battle as opposed to the much easier claim. Right, because, again, the accident wasn't his fault. He could have easily have made a claim against the other driver's insurance company. That two-year number seems to be the one that, whether it's uh, personal injury or our friend Lior who does employment law, again, you got a two-year limit on on, on seeking, uh, you know, more compensation when it comes to your... uh, 
your compensation as far as being let go. And then that, you get that two-year phone call in your mm-hmm. regard with the insurance company, right? When you do. Absolutely. Start calling, oh, yeah, you think you're ready to go back to work now. That's about when they start calling you. Right? Exactly. No, John, actually, there are exceptions to the two-year rule. Generally speaking, it is two years, but there are certain scenarios. So, for example, if you've been in an accident and uh, you know your car is a write-off or your car needs to be repaired, you're having issues with your own insurance company for the property damage of your car. Okay. So let's take a write-off, for example. You've been in an accident. Uh, your car is worth, let's say, thirty grand. For whatever reason, the insurance company is dragging their feet. They don't want to pay you. Something's happening. You actually have only one year from the date of the accident to make a claim against your own insurance company wow. in relation to property damage. So the two-year mark is something people should be aware of, but don't assume that in any context, in every context, it's exactly. You've got to make sure you, you uh, consult with a lawyer that knows this area of law, insurance, disability, injury law. Okay, give, me, uh, give me another one. All right. Well, this is, this is uh, a situation that absolutely floored me, and I actually got consent from this uh, individual to uh, give a little bit more information about his case. So this person called me after listening to the show. Uh, it was earlier this week, and he has a lawyer. He, has a, he had a, a slip and fall accident uh, about a year ago. And he suffered injuries from that slip and fall. Uh, now, I'll give you some specifics without being too specific so no one can really identify him. Uh, this individual is in his mid-50s. Uh, he, works in a prof- or he worked in a profession that I consider to be very prestigious, okay? And he was making a six-figure income. All right, so he has that slip and fall last year, and he's been employed. He was working last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he goes to this lawyer. I don't, I don't know who the lawyer is, to be honest with you, but... It doesn't really matter. He goes to the lawyer, and the lawyer says, okay, well, let's, let's see if we can do something. Doesn't hear from this lawyer now for about a year. Gets a phone call a few weeks ago from the lawyer uh, on his mobile, and he says to him, listen, I've been able to negotiate something with the insurance company. Uh, you know, the, the, the last offer that I can get for you is $30,000. Now, that's $30,000, uh, you know, including everything, the pain and suffering, uh, any other the losses, everything. Yep. And that, that's before the lawyer gets paid. That's before anyone else gets paid. Okay, so $30,000, keep that uh, in in the forefront. Uh, So as I'm talking to him, to this gentleman, and I'm getting more information about the type of work that he does and what's happened since the accident, I learn that he actually ended up retiring after the accident. Now, this gentleman has been working in his job for about 35 years. So I'm thinking, okay, well, maybe it was time to retire. Mm -hmm. Well, no, it wasn't time to retire. He has a fairly young family. He's only in his mid-50s. He was going to continue working. And this accident, these injuries propelled him to retire earlier. Okay. Now, for all our listeners, think about this. Common sense. This person has these injuries uh, because of someone's negligence. Okay? I don't know if it was a plaza or a store. It doesn't matter. Okay. He retires after the accident because he's having difficulty working. He's making a six-figure income. He's forced into retirement. Right. Let's assume for a second that he did not retire. Let's assume for a second that he would have worked for another five years. Okay, let's say, let's say he's making $100,000 a year. Do the math, John. What is that? That's half a million. That's half a million. Not so, 30 grand. Not 30 grand. <laughs> right. <laughs> so I, as I'm listening to this now, let's, let's think about this, okay? He's in a type of profession where he's also contributing towards a pension. Right. So now his pension is going to be less, right? He's, he's, he, his contribution to CPP is going to be less. So you have all these collateral damages, losses. Yeah. I mean, this is a claim that is probably at, at the very least is worth 10 times the amount that he was just offered. Now, let me tell you this, John. He didn't agree to the deal yet. I told him not to agree to it. And again, I don't know who the lawyer is representing him. But I'll tell you this. If I'm the defense lawyer on this file You're all over that and, sucker. and I'm getting a settlement for this claim for $30,000, i am telling you that the insurance company is flying me to Vegas, oh, putting me up. Promotion. In the, I'm, I'm getting like the five-star treatment. This is... 
This is this is crazy. Yeah. So I, I'll be speaking with this gentleman. I'll, I'll, I'm guiding him. Uh, but, you know, I, I said to him, under no circumstances are you to, to sign the deal. I mean, you've retired earlier from a six-figure job. How can you possibly be expected yeah. to accept 30000 So what's the takeaway here? What's the lesson? The lesson is that if you're injured and you offer the settlement, whether it's directly by the insurance company or from a lawyer that's representing you, understand how the number was arrived at. Mm-hmm. You have a right to understand it. Don't simply accept it as this is the number. There's always a logic. Even with the insurance company is, 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 is telling you that, uh, you know, the, the, I see that we have to go to commercials. That's, okay. That's fine. No, finish, That's okay. Finish your thought. Uh, the thought was you're gonna, ranting. I love it. Well, because I'm, I'm so fired up about this. This, if you're given a number, that number has to have logic, even if it's an arbitrary number that the insurance company is throwing out. That number has to have some kind of logic. Because at the end of the day, that's how we come up with the number, with some kind of an argument. Mm-hmm. And if your okay. lawyer hasn't done the homework to come up with a certain number, then your lawyer is doing you a disservice. 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell is the number, or savan at theinsurancelawyer.ca. And his number, anytime, 416-216-5910. Insurance Injury Law Show, right here on Talk Radio, AM 640. 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell. You want to get a hold up until 1 o'clock, Savan is here. It's also 416-216-5910. That's his uh, Personal number. Let's get back in a couple more of those cases. That last one was uh, pretty astounding. What else you got for me? Well, this is an interesting one. This is a long-term disability case. I met with this lady uh, and her husband a couple of days ago, uh, and uh, she's been on disability since November of 2012. And actually, she came to me because she had consulted with Lior a while back about her own uh, employment issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so she, you know, she came. Uh, she came to me. She's suffering from anxiety, from chest pains, from fibromyalgia. Uh, and, that's from Lior or that's her injuries? That's, I'm just asking. Yeah, I'm just suffering that sure. from Lior. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, that, that's, that's from, uh, you know, the, the, the place of work where, where, where she worked for almost 20 years. And, uh, you know, lo and behold, John, we are now uh, at the uh, two-year mark. Yep. And, and what do you think happened? Right. Phone call. She gets a phone call. Yep. She gets a phone call. She gets a letter. And, of course, what's the insurance company saying? They're saying, you know, uh, you're, we, done. you're done. We think you can go back. Now, let me give you some facts. Uh, this lady has obviously a family doctor. That family doctor has referred her over the past two and a half years to a cardiologist. She has a pain doctor, an uh, anesthesiologist, who these guys are the best as pain doctors. She has a psychologist. She's going to all of them regularly. Okay, She's been hospitalized multiple times over the last two years. She had stents put in. She's been, uh, she, she's been basically non-functional from a work standpoint. Nothing has changed. She's been getting maybe a little bit better, mm-hmm. but nothing has changed. So what's happened in the last little while? Well, her insurance adjuster starts calling her. And what do you think happens every time he calls her? Every time he calls her now uh, and tells her, no, you th- we think you can go back, uh, uh, she, she starts getting flustered. She, no. she starts getting anxious. Uh, she, she's, you know, blood pressure is, is yeah. boiling. Just absolutely horrible. In fact, her husband has now had to take over and deal with the adjuster. And what do you think is the reason for why the insurance company has told her, we think you can go back? Well, we've discussed that before. This is one of those instances where the adjuster says, uh, I've taken all of your medical documents, which, by the way, he hasn't, but he says he has, and I've had our intern, uh, our, our, our medical team here or our doctors review those. Right. right. And those doctors seem to think that you are ready to go back. Imagine that. Of course they do. Never saw her, nothing. So her cardio- she spoke, of course, with her own treating uh, doctors. Her cardiologist says, no, you cannot go back. 
Her pain doctor says, no, you cannot go back. Her family doctor, no, you cannot go back. In fact, she shows me a note handwritten by the family doctor that says if she goes back to work, that's against all medical advice. Do you think the insurance company is giving a damn about that? They're not. They're telling her you're going to get cut off. They've actually sent her the last few paychecks now, that, not paychecks, but disability checks, yeah. and they're telling her we're going to cut you off. And, you know, I'm telling you, as, as I'm meeting with her and I'm listening and I'm taking the information down, I can see how she's getting worked up. She's getting worked up. She's choking up. I see the tears, you know, coming down. And every time I even mention the adjuster, uh, not by name, but just saying the adjuster, you can see how she's like getting uncomfortable. Pavlovian response. Right. Absolutely. Exactly. And I'll tell you this. I, I'm sure we have a lot of listeners out there who are in the exact same situation. And I, here's what I told her. I said, I said, listen, you have a very, very simple claim. There's no way in the world that this insurance company is not going to pay you exactly what they owe you. Don't panic. Don't panic. I'll tell you what, what, what else I said to her right after the, uh, the break when we come back. Okay. 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell. And Savan's number is 416-216-5910. You can get a hold of them at help. H-E-L-P, help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. This is the Insurance and Injury Law Show on Talk Radio, AM 640. In law school, Rudy, they don't teach you what you need to know. It's all theories and lofty notions and big fat ethics books. What's wrong with ethics? Nothing, I guess. You know that number, call it. And Savannah's number outside of showtime is 416-216-5910. We're getting into a couple of... Very juicy stories, but realistic and things that are happening, you know, currently uh, with you and the firm. So give me, uh, give me another one so people can relate. If they're thinking of calling in, maybe they're going right. through the same thing in their, in their own lives as well, right? Well, let's finish off with that long-term disability case with mm-hmm. this lady. Uh, one thing that I didn't mention is that this lady is on CPP disability. So the government has recognized that she's disabled. She has a disability parking permit. So again, we're dealing with someone who's sick. Who, who needs you know, the support of her insurance company. And uh, you know, I- instead of helping her, they're now victimizing her again by telling her she can go to work for absolutely no reason. Now, let me tell you what I told her. I said to her, your claim is extremely easy. It, we're going to start it within a week. It's going to get resolved within a few weeks to a wow. few months. You're going to get exactly what you deserve. But you know what? You know, when I spoke with her, what I really found to, to have the most, that actually had the most impact on her is, is something very simple that I said to her. And I think that, a lot of our listeners in that position, in that same situation, are going to relate to. Once I get involved, you are no longer dealing with that adjuster. You're no, awesome. lo- you're no longer getting those phone calls. You're not going to get those letters. I will be dealing with the adjuster. Let them deal with me. It's a different ballgame altogether. Don't worry about it. Sleep at night. Focus on your health. Let me deal with the rest. Okay? That's so a that's massive people, weight lifted It's off a shoulders, huge right? weight that's wow. lifted because now you have a shield. Now you have a shield. Right. Now you have someone who can go out Fight for you and make sure that you get exactly what you're supposed to get so the insurance company can do whatever they want. That's huge. Uh, yeah, it is. Let's, uh, let's talk about an, another uh, a case, and this is an interesting one. This is, we've spoken about actually about, about this case before. This is uh, the gentleman that was involved in a motorcycle accident. I remember this. Yeah. Right, that had fractures all over mm-hmm. his body. So, you know, last week uh, on the show, I, I had mentioned some red flags about lawyers uh, and, and, you know, making sure that you have the right representation and, and, you know, what you should watch out for in terms of people who, lawyers who are representing you. And, uh, and of course, one of the things I said is, you know, I'm not advocating for people to simply switch lawyers. And, and frankly, I'm not advocating that you call me and tell me, I don't want my lawyer, I want you. I'm not saying that. What I'm telling you, though, is that if there is a red flag, if there's something I'm telling you that you should watch out for and you're seeing it, then you should change representation, whether it's to me or to someone else. I don't care. 
It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. What matters is that you get the right person representing you and dealing with your case so that you know that it's being dealt with properly. Okay. So this gentleman, I talked to him, uh, the, the motorcycle guy, and I told him, listen, make an appointment. Speak with your lawyer. Get some handle on what's happening with your case. It's your case. So I checked up with him this week. I followed up with him. I said, well, w- what happened? And he says, you know, he said, I called my, uh, my lawyer. I, I uh, spoke with the assistant, and I tried to make an appointment, and the response I got was he's too busy. <laughs> oh, that's Can charming. you imagine that, John? Appreciate it. And, you know, I'm, I'm going to just uh, um, go on a, a brief tangent here. Uh, after last week, after the show, uh, I got a voicemail from someone uh, who left just this interesting voicemail who said, well, you know, you must have a lot of time on your hands uh, if you're able to call everyone that's calling you after the show. Uh, you know, obviously you're not that busy. And, you know, he didn't leave a number. I couldn't get a hold of him, uh, unfortunately. But I'll tell you this. If you were to speak to Lior or if you were to speak to any one of the staff that works in our firm, I doubt that there is a firm that's busier in Toronto than our firm. But guess what? We don't operate like a factory. If we need more lawyers, we get more lawyers. If we need more staff, we get more staff. It's not one of those cases where we cheap out and we simply... Stretch everybody to the limit. Exactly. These cases, these claims, these these are people. It's It's not a widget factory. Okay, so this is extremely important people to understand. Yes, you will get a call back. And you know, maybe you want me who's going to call. Maybe it's not going to be me who's going to call you initially. If you speak with someone at our office and you say, I want to speak with Lior or Sivan, and you say, I, I, you know, not just anyone, I want to speak to them, guess what? You're going to get, get a call back. I am guaranteeing you that. Okay? So now let's go back to that gentleman. So, so this person who, uh, who uh, you know, this motorcycle guy, um, gentleman, uh, who got all these fractures, I, I said to him, I said, listen, I said, if you're not getting uh, this appointment, then there is a big problem. Because if this lawyer is too busy to even meet with you, let alone explain to you the case and, and tell you what's going on, I, I'm concerned about your case. And, you know, and that falls in line with why it is that the accident happened uh, earlier this summer. Uh, he breaks, I don't know how many bones in his body, and the claim hasn't started yet. Remember, we talked about that. That's yeah. a red flag. What are you waiting for? I mean, this person is, is, in, is in distress, is in a severe uh, uh, situation. So, you know, these red flags, this non-responsiveness, not willing to meet if you're requesting it, uh, not explaining, uh, you know, about your case, what to expect, these are all red flags. And if you see those red flags, you confront them. Okay, this lawyer is not doing you a favor. You've hired that lawyer to represent you. And that's the thing. This isn't a lawyer you're trying to, right. trying to hire. This is not legal aid. You're with this guy already. Yes. What is wrong with you? Exactly. That's my point. I mean, for God's sakes, this is not, this is not, this is not a charity you're not situation. You're shopping for a no, lawyer. No, you're not. You've got one. You, you've got one. And these people are taking you on on the understanding that they're going to do everything in their power to protect you. 416-870-6400, star 640 on sale. You want to give Savannah a call. Help at theinsurancelawyer.ca and 416-216-5910. After show hours, if you're a little bashful, to give us a call on the air. Lots more coming up in the Insurance and Injury Law Show on Talk Radio AM 640. The appeals process is even more Byzantine than the trial it's appealing. It takes longer. It costs more. Its outcome is even less promising. Only five cases in 50 will win an appeals court. You can email Savan, Savan at theinsurancelawyer.ca or help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. And his number outside uh, showtime is 416-216-5910. we got one more of these cases to go through. Very interesting one as well. Right? Yeah, and, and the reason I've decided to tack this one on, uh, it's, it's a gentleman that called our office on, uh, on Friday. Uh, again, because I think that there's going to be a lot of people out there in that situation. So, John, we spoke before about what happens when you're dealing with the insurance company directly and you don't have representation. 
uh, how do you know if when they're offering you a deal, it's a good deal? Well, let's, uh, let's take this case, for instance, this gentleman who's actually going to be meeting with me at the, uh, um, this week. Uh, so so he, he called us up, and he's been on long-term disability now for five years. So obviously, he's over the two-year mark. Mm-hmm. Obviously, he's, he has significant uh, uh, disability. Uh, he's in his 30s. And the insurance company called him up and said, listen, we want to really try and resolve this claim one and for, once and for all. We, we don't want to continue paying. So we're willing to, uh, you know, to give you a lump sum uh, to effectively buy the termination of this agreement. And so the reason for his call was because he heard us on the show mm-hmm. and uh, he wanted me to review the offer, go through the facts and tell him, do I think it's a good deal or not? Well, let's take a look at the, uh, at the facts here. He's in his 30s. Uh, they are offering uh, approximately $120,000. So, John, they are... That's the buyout. That's the buyout. So they are, yeah. they are literally presenting him with that check if he wants it. Uh, and, of course, you know, if I'm, a, if I'm a regular person, I'm not a lawyer, I'm looking at this, I'm like, wow. Cha-ching. Holy cow. Yeah, yeah, let's do it. I mean, you know, better to have the money now than deal with this insurance company down the road for right. all the reasons we've outlined. Okay. So I did a very simple calculation of what he could potentially be getting if he continued getting benefits... Until age 65. Which is possible? Which is absolutely case? possible. Okay. 100%. Keep in mind, I mean, he's been getting this for five years now. Obviously, they, uh, and they didn't, from what it seems like, they didn't uh, cut him off at the two-year mark. So obviously, it's a significant disability. Well, I did a rough calculation, and it appears that if he were to continue until age 65, he's probably looking at anywhere from two hundred and fifty dollars to $300,000. So now, John, if the insurance company is able to buy out this termination for $120,000 now, who's getting a better deal, this individual or the insurance well, company? insurance company, obviously. Right, exactly. So what's the takeaway lesson here? The takeaway lesson is that if you are, wh- whether you're injured or whether you are on disability, long-term disability, if the insurance company is offering you some kind of a lump sum and you don't have representation, there is a reason for that. I'm not, saying, I, I'm not saying it's guaranteed, but the chances are that, that it's low. And, and, you know, why would they pay you the full amount? I mean, what's their incentive to try and resolve it now? Look, listen, if you filed a claim and you said, I want nothing short of the full claim until age 65, 250 or 300 grand, then they will say, listen, why would we pay you that? You know, we might as well continue paying and down the road reevaluate. I understand that logic. Yeah. But, you know, so there's got to be compromise on both sides to try and reach an agreement. But giving someone 30, 35 cents on the dollar, I mean, that's just, in my view, insulting. I understand why they're doing it. And I also understand, you know, if he hadn't heard the show, I don't know if he would have reached out to me or anyone else. That's the important thing. Right? That, that's exactly. And yeah. if, he, if he were to accept it, he'll have some money now. But what's, what's going to happen when the money runs out? You know, I mean, this is money that you're living on, that your family potentially is living on. So, again, the takeaway is that if you are offered a settlement... Just make sure that, you know, you, you, if you sign on the dotted line, that you've done so after getting legal advice, whether it's speaking with me, someone at my office, uh, calling someone else who specializes in this area of law, do it, okay? It's, it's not something that you should take lightly, especially when we're talking about amounts of this size, of this magnitude. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, so I just wanted to raise that, uh, that issue in this case because I think that there's going to be a lot of people out there uh, in a similar situation when they're offered something from the insurance company and they don't know if it's a good deal or not. They think it is because they haven't consulted anybody. Well, absolutely. Yeah. Exactly. So I can tell you right now, this obviously this particular uh, offer is very deficient. 416-870-6400, star 640. And so let's review a bit from last week and we're talking about the top three lessons regarding lawyers. Right. right. And I'm not going to harp on this because I'm sure that uh, I'm going to get a lot of flack from a lot of lawyers who practice in this manner. Uh, like I said before, uh, there's a lot of very good lawyers out there uh, and there are a lot of very bad 
ones. And the three major red flags that I will tell every person to watch for is uh, that if you are injured uh, and, and seriously injured, uh, your claim has to go out the door in a timely manner. What's a timely manner? Well, if you have fractures, there's no reason why a claim can't go out the door within a matter of weeks. Okay, this claim process can be, uh, you know, can take long enough. We, we, we want to make sure that, that there's no undue delay. So make sure that uh, when you speak with your lawyer, uh, especially if you've just hired one, make sure that you ask them, well, when can my claim go out? What's the timeline here? Okay, and that actually leads me to the uh, second point, explaining the process. It really irks me when I get someone who's calling me or I'm meeting with someone who's spoken to another lawyer and I have to go back to the beginning because that other lawyer hasn't explained anything about the process or anything about what the person's rights are, what the options are, and what's going to happen in the future. Look, we don't have a crystal ball, but as lawyers, we know generally what the process is. This is what we do. Yeah. It's, it's like going to a surgeon. You're expecting the surgeon to tell you, here's what's going to happen here's how when I, I operate. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> here's what could happen. Here are the risks. Here are the, the pros, the cons. Yep. But you got to have this explanation. I mean, for God's sakes, it's your life. Okay? You're the one who's injured. You're the one who's on disability. So explaining the process. The third item, responsiveness. Told you before, John, this is a pet peeve of mine. Lawyers have to be responsive. Listen, sometimes I'm in court, I'm in a mediation, whatever. Something happens that I'm unable to respond to the person. Someone from my office is going to be responding to that person ASAP. And that's a major, major thing. And I'll tell you, I mean, both Lior and I are very big on that. And, uh, you know, we've been known to come down really hard on, on staff when we've learned that, you know, there's been delays in responding for absolutely no reason. Okay, so responsiveness. If your lawyer is not responsive, if the staff at the lawyer's office is not responsive, if you have to wait days, if you have to leave repeated messages, emails, it's not good. And why is it not good? Because how do you know that's not what they're doing to the other side, to the defense, to the insurance company? Maybe that's the reason why most of these cases take years to resolve. They shouldn't take years to resolve. They, they shouldn't. There is a certain life uh, span for every mm-hmm. claim. Lior's talked about that a lot on his show. Uh, you know, he routinely has people coming to him who've been let go, who have been with other lawyers, and the claims are ongoing for a year or two years. That's insane. It's just un, it's unnecessary, and, and, and it's the person who's suffering. It's not the lawyer. So those three things, uh, you know, people should watch out for. We uh, mentioned, you know, we we're just mentioning about the, you know, the 100,000 versus 300,000. So what are some of the other tactics that insurance companies use to limit how much they have to pay? Right. So uh, there are three really common tactics that insurance companies uh, will try to use to limit their exposure. Uh, and people should be aware of that because I'm going to guarantee you right now that a lot of our listeners will recognize those, uh, okay. you know, those tactics. Number one, they try to deal with you directly. They will never tell you get a lawyer. Okay. Now, this is not a criminal uh, uh, offense or anything like that. But, uh, you know, especially when you're dealing with a serious injury, especially when you're dealing with a disability claim, they're not going to tell you go get a lawyer. They're going to try and and, and hopefully resolve the case with you. And guess what? Most of the adjusters, in fact, as far as I know, all adjusters in every insurance company have some kind of authority, whether it's a few thousand bucks, whether it's more than that, they have authority to try and resolve claims directly with you. As soon as the claim goes to the hands of a lawyer, someone who knows what they're doing, uh, an injury lawyer, disability lawyer, an insurance lawyer, guess what? The insurance company almost always increases their reserves. They understand it's going to now be much more expensive for them to fight the claim. Right. And, and you know, so, so that tells you something. It tells you that insurance companies love dealing directly with people especially people who have absolutely no knowledge of the law. And they're no under stress. You got it. Yep. They're under stress. Yep. Exactly. They'll play on that. And again, insurance companies are not these huge bad wolves. It's just that they're corporate entities. 
And there is a reason why they're doing what they're, re- what they're doing, which is to save money. 416-870-6400, star 640 on sale. I want to get to some more of those tactics used by insurance companies to limit how much they got to dish out to you if you're the injured party. Savan at theinsurancelawyer.ca or help at theinsurancelawyer.ca and 416-216-5910. The Insurance and Injury Law Show right here on Talk Radio AM 640. Personal injury law has a bad reputation. They call us ambulance chasers, bottom feeders, vultures who prey on the misfortunes of others. Well, if that's true... Why do I lie awake nights worrying about my clients? Bottom feeders. That's, they refer to radio hosts in that manner. It's interesting. No that? comment, John. <laughs> yeah, call, uh, give us a call or Savannah at theinsurancelawyer.ca or help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. Let's get back into this. some of the tactics used by insurance companies to limit how much they have to pay. Because it makes sense, right? They want to hold on to their coin. Right, they do. Money. They do. Okay, so uh, so we talked about this. Uh, you know, the first one, uh, they want to try and deal with you directly and settle with you directly, uh, you know, for a fraction of what they probably should. Uh, the other two common tactics that I see is they will try and meet with you. They will ask you, can we come and meet with me, uh, with you? Can we take a statement? Uh, you know, can we, uh, you know, they'll be very nice about it. Uh, and they'll come over and, and, you know, you'll offer them coffee or tea or whatever it is, and they'll be your friends. And, and you know what, John, the reality is a lot of them are very nice people and a lot of them are very good people, but they have a job to do. They're not coming to see you out of the goodness of their heart. They're not your doctor. They're not your physiotherapist. They're, they're not your priest. They are there to get a statement, and they're there to get a certain type of statement, and they're there to get you to sign that statement. And they know how to do it. You know, the amount of times that, um, that I've seen people come to me after they've given those statements, and then I get a copy of the statement or I get a recording of the statement, uh, and I see that the person has said something that they should not have said, not something that's not tr- – that, that's – uh, truthful. It's the wording. It, it's the wording, exactly. Yeah. I mean, every word has context. Every word has a certain weight. You know, I, I often tell people, when people tell me, why are contracts so convoluted? Why are they written legalistically? You know, I, I see a page, a contract that, that's written on a page, and I'm like, you know, you can simply put that in, in, in regular English. Well, the reality is that those words, those, those sentences you're seeing on the page, they have so much case law behind them. There's an interpretation that goes along the way. So adjusters understand uh, the gravity of each word, of each phrase. Most people do not. So when they are offering to meet with you or suggesting to meet with you, that's a red sign. It's a red sign. It's, sorry, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a red flag. And it's a red flag because there is a reason for that. They're trying to get ahead of the game. You mentioned the subway, uh, the subway incident. Right? I did, right, yeah. right, right. Where this individual, this lady who slipped on the uh, stairs in the subway, uh, she met with the uh, adjuster for the TTC. <clears throat> sorry, for, for, for the uh, TTC, and uh, you know she gave that statement, and and in that statement was that phrase, "I don't know what I fell on," where really that wasn't the correct uh, interpretation of what had happened. What happened was that she didn't know at the moment that she fell what she fell on right. when she actually landed and looked back and saw that her uh, clothes were covered in, in you know water yeah. exactly. So she knew that, that there was just moisture that there was yeah. there was water. Uh, and again, can you explain this away? Of course you can, but you've now just given them a weapon that they can use against you. So if the adjuster wants to meet with you, just beware. Understand that they're not doing this from the goodness of their heart. Yep. Number three, and this is very big, and I'll tell everyone out there who has a personal injury claim or a disability claim. Insurance companies are savvy. Adjusters use Facebook, Twitter, all those social media uh, um, platforms, uh, uh, platforms mm-hmm. uh, just like you do. 
and they are going to go on Google and they're going to Google you and they're going to try and see if, you know, you're putting out there certain information and pictures and videos that don't correspond with the disability that you're claiming. Now, you know, the thing is this. Some people will say, well, you know, fine. That's, that's, if that's the way it is, that's the way it is. I mean, you know, if, if you're dumb enough to put something out there, uh, you know, showing you helping a friend move a, a house and you're saying that you can't go back to work, well, well that's on you. Yeah. The reality is that most people, when they're posting things on Facebook and social media, they tend to be positive. positive. They try exactly. to be positive. And, and yeah. it doesn't mean that you're not suffering. It doesn't yep. mean that, you know what I mean? I yep. mean, it, it doesn't. And, and, but the problem is, again, you have, you have now effectively handed over uh, a, a, a weapon or you've handed over a tool to the insurance company, to the defense lawyers, to now be able to throw that in your face and say, well, you're saying you're disabled, but I see that you're growing this nice garden that you, you know, you're yeah. working on. So just be very, very aware of that, that insurance companies routinely access social media. Uh, they will try and get this information and, and uh, they will use that against you. Okay. Very, very important. So those, those tactics, and, and as, as we do more shows, I'll explain more about how insurance companies yep. deal with certain claims. Again, for those listeners who haven't heard us before, uh, my background is insurance defense. I used to work for insurance companies. Uh, you know, I used to defend them, and uh, I've used those tactics myself. Let's get into some actual personal injury uh, scenarios. For instance, uh, this actually happened to a friend of mine a couple of days ago, bitten by a dog. Uh, what can you do about it other than just, you know, punt the thing across the room? And I'm a dog lover. <laughs> Yeah, I would never suggest that you punt the, uh, the dog uh, for a variety of reasons. This thing was like a squirrel with a collar. It lasted five <laughs> seconds with me. But uh, what do you do in that case? All right. Well, so here's the thing. And, and you know, dog owners should be really aware of this. Uh, there is there is legislation that governs this type of, of an incident, and it's called the uh, Dog Owners Liability Act. So for the listeners who want to go on Google, type it in, Dog Owners Liability Act. Section 2 states... The owner of a dog is liable for damages resulting from a bite or attack by the dog on another person or domestic animal. Wow. Now, here's what this means. Okay. You could have taken every measure, every precaution. Muzzle your dog. Muzzle your dog, but your dog somehow got out and injured someone. Well, guess what? You are going to be responsible. You're going to have to pay. It doesn't matter. There's no, it's what's called under the law strict liability which means that it doesn't matter if you're culpable or not. It doesn't matter if you're to blame or not. The mere fact that it's your dog, this legislation, this section imposes this liability on you. So be very, very careful. And if you have been injured by a dog and those injuries uh, you know, are serious enough uh, for you to consider taking legal action against the dog's owner, then by all means, go ahead and do that. You know, contact me, contact my team, and you know, we'll advise you accordingly. But you know, people should be aware that you know, dogs, having dogs is a serious business. Uh, and, uh, you know, you, you got to make sure that uh, you really take proper precautions because you will be held responsible if someone is injured. 416-870-6400, star 640 on sound. The last segment coming up here, Savan at theinsurancelawyer.ca or help at theinsurancelawyer.ca and his number anytime if you're a little bashful, 416-216-5910. The Insurance and Injury Law Show right here at Talk Radio AM 640. You know, we don't get to lie. Not only do we get a lot of feedback from uh, people after the show who are looking to uh, you know retain your services, you also have lawyers emailing you as well during the show, right? Yes, yes. I have lawyers who contact me. Uh, and uh, it, funny enough, I just had a uh, one, one of my friends who's a, who's a personal injury lawyer just right. um, uh, text me. And, you know, I got to tell you, John, he's probably one of the best lawyers that I know. Uh, he's, he's an experienced trial lawyer. And, and he asked me a very simple question. What do you do uh, with clients who are difficult? And yeah, that's was that the exact wording? Because <laughs> the wording was a bit different. Uh, but uh, you know, in, in fairness to you and and to the radio station, I'm not going to say the exact right. word. Uh, in any event, it, it, but it's a very legitimate question. I mean, yeah. look, 
when we take on a client, uh, you know, we take on a very serious obligation. Now, I make clear when I meet with clients that they also have an obligation. Their obligation is to communicate with me in a timely manner. And, and, you know, listen, some clients, some individuals need more hand-holding. That's okay. That, sure. That's part of the game. That's fine. Uh, but what do you do when a client is unresponsive? What do you do when a client is just being extremely difficult and doesn't want to, uh, you know, listen to you? Well, I'll tell you, I mean, it's, it's unfortunately in those kind of situations, you either try and work through it, you have a conversation, you have a meeting with this individual, you explain the problem. Uh, and, you know, if I can't, if the person is not listening to me, mm-hmm. uh, if the person is simply doing everything uh, that I'm telling them not to do, uh, then if it comes to it, I'll simply say, listen, I can't represent you. I can't do anything, uh, you know, anymore. And each case has to be dealt with on a case-by-case basis. So for, for people out there who have lawyers... You know, if your lawyer is asking you for certain things, if, if they're explaining something and, and they need you to, to do something, uh, listen to what they're saying. Yeah, they know. Yeah, they know. Exactly. So, so let's just deal with that. Talking about uh, personal injury, we covered the dog bite. How about this? And this probably happens all the time. City property or, uh, or otherwise tripped on uneven sidewalk, was injured. What do you do about it? Right. I mean, how well, do you even know if you have a case at that point? Well, first of all, whenever you're injured, you should always uh, investigate whether or not you have a legal claim against whoever was potentially at fault okay. for the fact that you now suffered injuries. Uh, and uneven sidewalks, unfortunately, is a common thing. And I get those. And, and, you know, we spoke before. I mentioned that I used to work as an insurance defense lawyer. One of the clients that, uh, that I used to work for uh, is a body that represents municipalities across the, uh, the province. So, so I defended, uh, you know, uh, um, places like, like uh, Toronto, like mm-hmm. uh, Cornwell, uh, all those places. And, you know, you do have a lot of claims when people fall because of uneven slabs or, or there is a high differential or there is a hazard. There is something that is in right. their way and cause them to fall. So specifically when we're dealing with uneven sidewalks, yep. okay, that seems to be very common. Uh, if if you're injured, uh, then you should investigate whether you have a claim. You have 10 days yeah. from the time that you fell, from the day that you fell, to notify the city clerk that you are potentially pursuing a claim. That notice provision is very, very important. There are exceptions, but those exceptions uh, are, are not easy to... to, to um, uh, to use, let's put it that way. So make sure that if you are injured as a result of the city's negligence, if it's a slip and fall, uh, if it's a trip and fall over an uneven sidewalk, make sure that you just Google that city's uh, clerk, you fax, you email, you do something notifying them of the claim. Now, how do you know if the city was in fact negligent? Well, we have case law that talks about that. What I tell people is, is this, make sure that you or someone you know goes out to the exact area where you fell Take photos. Take photos of the area generally. Take photos of the area specifically and measure the high differential. We have different cases, different judges across uh, the province and the country that have given opinions about what constitutes negligence. Generally speaking, if the high differential between the two concrete slabs is more than about an inch and a half, most of the time the city will be found liable. If you're under three uh, and a quarter inches then most of the time the municipality will not be held liable. So the gray area is three and a quarter inches to an inch and a half. So what happens if the high differential is is an inch? So in those kind of situations, uh, we generally look at, well, you know, where did this happen? Did this happen, uh, you know, at at Bay and Adelaide? Uh, Did this happen somewhere in in a county where no one walks? So you're looking at various other aspects. You know, how, how, how frequently do you have people walking there, the type of people that walk there? Uh, but generally speaking, if there's a high differential of over an inch and a half, uh, and when you take a photo, 
or someone takes a photo for you, make sure you have a ruler right. uh, measuring it. Uh, you know, make sure you keep those photos because that's going to help your case. And, and, you know, the municipalities are reasonable. It's just that, listen, they have a lot of sidewalks. They have a lot of roads to maintain. It's not simple for them to do that. And they get yeah. claims all the time. So you want to make sure that if you're injured, if you think there is a claim against the city, whichever city, uh, that you notify the city clerk within 10 days, uh, unless, I don't know, you're paralyzed and, and in a hospital somewhere. Right. Uh, and you make sure that someone you know or, or you yourself go out there, take photos of the area, take measurements, and keep that. And then, you know, give me a call, and I'll tell you if you have a case or not. We've got about a minute left here. Take it home. Let uh, Tell people what they should do uh, prior to calling you or if they're thinking about calling you. Well, if you're thinking about calling me, first of all, don't think about it. If, you, if, if you're injured, then just give me a call. I mean, it doesn't cost anything to talk. I'll, right. I'll chat with you within a few minutes of getting uh, certain facts from you. I'll tell you if you have a case or not. Uh, you know, we have a fantastic team in place. Everyone is extremely knowledgeable. I'll tell you if you have a case or not. I mean, if you don't have a case, I'm not going to waste your time. You know, I met with, uh, with, with, with a very nice elderly couple earlier this week, and I told them, I- I'm not sure that, I mean, I can see you're injured, but I'm not sure that it's going to be worthwhile for you to right. pursue the injury. Gotcha. So I, I don't want to drag people through a process unless I think that it makes sense for them. And that's very, very important. The number is 416 416- Two one six fifty nine ten and Savan S I V A N at theinsurancelawyer.ca or help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. This has been the Insurance and Injury Law Show on Talk Radio AM six forty.